You are listening to the Gate 7 International Podcast, a podcast connecting Olympiacos fans from Melbourne to Baltimore, from London to Piraeus. We are four Olympiacos fans from every corner of the world, bringing you news and interviews of the team you love in English. With new episodes twice a week, you'll never lose the latest updates and stories of the team you love. This is our team, our city, and our land. Man, Oniro Trello. You're listening to the Gate 7 International Podcast. Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Gate 7 International. I'm your host, Adi, joined here by Labro. No solos today, guys. We got we got more than one person today. Labro, how you feel, buddy? I'm um, doing all right. The uh, The game tonight was really shit. Um, the game on Thursday night was really shit. Um, I just came to say that. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give a shout out to all the students grinding right now, finals period. I feel you haven't been on the pod in a little while because of that. Um, but yeah, everything is shit. Like that's, that's what I got right now. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. We can, <laughs> let's talk about the game, but we, we should talk about um, Antwerp as well, because we didn't speak about that. Yeah, we definitely will. We're going to get in. We promised everybody that we would do a full kind of breakdown. We would go into the Antwerp game. We would go into the uh, into this game, into the post-match for the Adis game. And we're going to do that. Uh, but before we uh, go any further, we do have a couple of quick housekeeping items. Guys, We I brought up in a couple in two, both of the solo shows, we do have some fun things coming up when, once the winter break starts. We have an interview coming up with the president of the Olympiacos fan club, Teddy Menes. That's going to be really fun. Keep an eye out for that. Uh, we also are going to do, no, do another holiday boozing with the boys. Keep an eye out for those details. We want everybody to join in. Uh, and then lastly, just a quick shout out to our sponsor, Price International. Uh, Price International is your one-stop shop for all your international trans shipping needs. Doesn't matter whether you're shipping marble, olive oil, cars, packages, things your cousins might need in Greece or here. Doesn't matter. Price International is here to help. Give our friends a shout out. 410-675-4696. And please, please send them an email, sales at piraeusintl.com. Anyway, guys, yeah, you know what? Uh, we, we're definitely going to just get right into it. Let's start with the Antwerp. Let's start with the Antwerp match, Lambro. Go ahead. What, what, <laughs> what did you have to say about that match? Listen, um, luckily it didn't go to Antwerp like a lot of guys um, couldn't COVID reasons, lockdown, blah, 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 whatever it's back. Um, but it was disappointing. Like from the first 15 minutes after the first 15 minutes, I didn't think we would score. And the team was just shocking. The whole team was poor, uh, overall, uh, just not great. And I felt really bad for the people who had to go to Antwerp, you know, to watch that. I, I felt bad for Costa. He didn't travel so far, but the guys who went from Greece, you know, the guys who went from Germany, blah, 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 and watched that, like, really shit, really shit. Like, it's, the players didn't even show up. I I really feel bad for the people who traveled to watch the team there. Um, yeah, it just was typical of 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 this season, I think. The, the Antwerp game tonight, the Frankfurt game, 
the second game with Fenerbahce. Like, Olympiacos cannot create anything from open play these days. It's just shocking. It's really bad. And there's no playmaking ability in this team. The midfield is stale. Uh, Agi Bukamara, God bless him, but he's not Costas Fortunis. He doesn't create enough. Buhalakis, I don't know what the hell's going on this season. He's been tragic. I don't know. The whole midfield just is tragic. There's no creation from the center of the pitch. It, we saw that in Antwerp. We saw that again tonight. It was like Hassan was in the box. Let's just throw a cross in whenever we can. It was terrible. Um, I'd really start there. Like I don't see much difference between the Antwerp game than what we saw tonight. I really just, just, just really poor, really poor overall. I would say, Adi. Yeah, I don't know who did the. Uh, sorry, guys, I don't know who did the. Uh, <laughs> The episode announcement, but yeah, I did see that. I saw. <laughs> yes, we know the game ended one nothing, not two to one. Um, yep, uh, that that is uh, for man of the match. We get a five. Podcast is getting a five for this. Thank you, uh, Gosadino and Aguilo Coots for uh, pointing that out. We do appreciate it. But no, Lombra, you you brought up some good points, and I feel like I jinxed us in the solo pre-match when I pointed out that you know the there were some good signs I saw from like the Offy match and from from previously some some glimmers of hey you know maybe there is something there, and I pulled up you know how crappy Antwerp was, and they've been leaking goals to everyone, most goals allowed, and. All, and then we go into that match and we just see absolutely nothing. It's and it's nothing. And we talked about this pre-podcast. You know, this team right now, it's our only all we do is just go to the byline, hit a crossing, and hope somebody follows through. What happened to that play and breaking through the middle of the field, the interplay that could break these teams down? What happened to those beautiful through balls from Madi that used to just cut defensive lines apart? What happened to those runs going in and around? I listened to one of our episodes, like I mentioned to you right before we started recording, that we there was an episode during Champions League when we were playing against, uh, I think it was, it might have been Porto at the time. And after that 2 nothing loss in the first leg against Porto, we were like, what is going on? How come? Where's the width? All we can do is play up through the middle. Uh, we have no width to help, to help uh, give that style of play and to give space for that to work. We have the opposite problem. We can't build anything up. We don't have any direct interplay that can break down some of these defenses all we do is play down the wings play a crossing and hope for the best all of our chances our goals are coming from either a mistake where our press somebody's pressing they they win the ball off the defender and then we capitalize off of that or it's off of a set piece we have done nothing in open play this team is tragic it doesn't create well in open play at all and in the second half uh, I know I know there were people that thought we were playing better, but I didn't see much of an improvement. I just saw us capitalizing on mistakes in, in this Adis game. And it, it's very worrying signs. It's it, the, the whole thing doesn't surprise me because we've kind of seen this all season. And we're hoping, hoping, hoping constantly that, hey, maybe we'll see something here. Oh, we saw something good in this game. Maybe we'll see something better. And we're not. We're not seeing we're just not seeing the improvement. 
Now, I am not of the opinion that Antwerp game was worse in all aspects than that first Frankfurt game. I still believe that Frankfurt game in Germany was the worst I've ever seen uh, in terms of almost everything except for shot creation. And the the data does support that. Our match tempo was higher in Antwerp. Our pure possession was better, but we didn't create shit against Antwerp except for that Socrates header in the beginning of the game. That was it. I still think that Frankfurt game was garbage, but... These are three garbage, or sorry, two garbage performances, the worst performances in Martin's tenure in the same year. And that's troubling to me. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think uh, I was the one who drafted a tweet we did after the first half, and it was like, was that the worst 45 minutes we've seen under Pedro Martins? There were two shots, none on target, and it was... It was terrible. And at the end of the game, we only had two shots in target in total. It was a pain to watch the, that whole first half. And you don't need to remind me about Frankfurt, Adi. Just don't. <laughs> we don't need to talk about goddamn Frankfurt. I hate that place so much. But um, I don't know what to, I, I, I don't even know what to say. Like, it seems like we come on here and we rehash the same things. And sometimes there's a glimmer of hope. Oh, maybe some things are changing. But then we have nights like tonight, and it's like, what the hell is the purpose? Like, what? It's shocking. Like, the football is so bad. It's so bad. It's And it's so one-directional. It's just like, go to the wing, put in a cross, put in, put in a cross. It, it's, I don't know what to say. Like, I don't know. I don't know what, what the solution is. I, I was talking to you as well just a bit before we came on, and I thought, you know what, like maybe it's time to start Valbuena at the 10. Like what, I don't, maybe he wasn't available tonight. I don't know. He wasn't available in, in Belgium. But listen, like there's no creativity on, just no creativity within this team. And one of the problems is the 10 position, we have no one. I think um, Costa said it's, we're missing Fortunis when Fortunis comes back, blah, blah, blah. I think it's time that money is spent on a creative midfielder. I think Jordi Dominguez is gone. Marco Marin was that guy for a little while. Matia Valbuena, of course, the past two seasons. But Olympiacos needs desperately creative players in the midfield. Because at the moment, Mari Camara has decided to, who knows? Check out. He's not even a creative midfielder at the heart of it, in my opinion. But... He, he's just exploded. I don't know what the hell is going on with him. So, Olympiacos needs a creative midfielder, and they don't need Clem Grenier. Is that his name? Grenier. They need Grenier. someone of quality. Like, no more wingers, no more Onyekuru, no more Gay Rodriguez. Like, yeah. for these players to make a next step, Henry Onyekuru is shit. Like, let's just be honest. He's really shit player. His level is known. But what would help Henry Onyekuru is having a functional 10. And I'm sorry, Agi Bukamara, I'm not seen as a creative midfielder. I think he's a good player. I think he's very good at making interceptions, positioning's good, leading the counter, but he just doesn't do it for me as the creative midfielder that the team needs. And I think it's a position that needs to be talked about because I don't know where the team goes for there. I I think I no. I think I think you you've made some good points, uh, especially about the ten. I'm I'm in agreement. We're relying on uh, 
a, a teen. He is still a teenager, right? Or did he just turn 20 years old? Aito Kamara. Yeah, he just turned 20. But 20. So but the thing is, like, um, he disappears in and out of games. If we could get a full 90 minutes, I think he's functional. But we need another 10. I'm I'm 100% on board with you. We do. I thought Ronnie Lopez was supposed to be the guy that maybe should be doing that. But I guess he's just another winger here. I, I don't know, but I think you're you're definitely onto something there. And the now I will I, I do want to say because I think there's a little difference in context with what happened in this game against Aris, which made us look so ugly, versus what made us look so ugly in Antwerp. In Antwerp, we we reverted again to the to the four three three. Now I, I know when we play a four three three with Mvila Bukalakis and uh Mari Camara. Mari tends to be further forward, but it hasn't worked. It worked when Mari was running box to box and looked like a superstar. But when he's not, it's it really limits us. And he's he can play a ten, but he doesn't he, he doesn't have that same um, he doesn't have that same ingenuity. He doesn't have that same creativity further up the pitch. The vision for him is when he's for when he's deeper, and. Part of the issue with, especially with that Antwerp game, was I don't understand why Martins overcorrects in some of these cases. You know, like there's one thing that has worked for us so far, and that's the 4 2 3 1. We play the double pivot, we play at 10, overlap our wing backs and inside wingers. That's the only thing that seems to work on a consistent basis in some way, shape, or form. But yet we, we deviate. We go into a 4-4-2. We go into uh, the, a 4-3-3 just randomly when that hasn't worked for us all season. And I don't understand that. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. And the, the, the difference with this game is I'm not sure what the game plan was in, in particular. And we'll get into that in a couple seconds. Uh, now, we do have a couple of uh, comments coming in here, Lombro, and I want your opinion on a couple of them. Sure, sure. Um, first, we have Glory Days. Unfortunately, Mari Camara's form, for a reason I can't explain, disorganizes this team in its whole. Uh, what do you make? What do you make? What do you make about that? Yeah, well, I think Mari Camara was a big reason for Olympiacos' success. Um, throughout the Martins tenure, like this is a player who's been here the whole time Martins has been here in different roles. And I think he's been a very important piece. And this season, the form has been very poor for reasons who knows why, for sure. There's reasons to speculate, but okay. Mari Camara having been out of form does not explain everything for me. I don't think... He is the be-all, end-all. I think he's a fantastic player, but there is more things missing um, just overall within the team. And I think the way the team is set up in this uh, in this formation, this 4-3-3, it's getting real old. I'm Again, like I said, I, I, I don't get it with Bukhalakis and Envia in the same midfield. I feel like Jan is not getting the best out of himself because of Bukhalakis needing to play in the position. And I think Bukhalakis, is, I, I think he, he can say for himself, has had a horrific season. He's been very poor. And what else is there to say? I don't know. I I I, I do think Marika Mara's poor form plays a role in this, but I think there's deeper issues at play. Um, 
and that's for sure. And I see a comment again from Gloria saying Fortunis will be back soon. I don't think we can we can hold our breath for a lot from Fortunis. If he comes back and he produces something, that's fantastic. But this is a player hitting 30 years old who's just gone through two knee surgeries. How quick will he be? I don't know. How long will it take him to get into form? I don't know. Honestly, it's um, it's not something we can plan on having. So I, I really think, I really think that there needs to be an investment at the ten position, at the ten, at the creative midfield position. I don't know, but a midfielder, not a winger who can play there, such as Ronnie Lopez, blah blah blah. I, and I think this is going to be an expensive player. Maybe, I don't know. Or you know who may be coming back in January? Maxi Lovera. Maybe run him out. I don't know. That's an idea. I but don't he know. He hasn't. He hasn't looked amazing for me in in Argentina. I keep I keep up to date with all of our loan players. And the guy is funny enough. In Argentina, they think that he looks flashy. They like how quickly he gets to the wing, but he hasn't. He doesn't create any any goal threat. Okay, great. He gets forward with the ball, but what has he done with it? I don't think he's going to be an answer for us. Oh, and great timing. We've got Costa jumping in here. Costa, how you doing, buddy? What's up? How's it going? Hey, Costa right. was on the ground in Belgium. Sorry you had to go see that, man. That's uh, yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was tough. Did they not even come and clap, too, like in Frankfurt? Like, that pissed me off so hard. I would be it raging. It was worse. It was worse. It was worse. Oh, my, I would have yeah. raged oh, God. so hard on this guy. It was, um, I was thinking about it earlier, actually. It was, it was disheartening, man. It was just like... <sighs> They get it was nothing. It's like the the sec the first half the crowd was giving it everything, and you know the second half it just even in that small corner that they had us eight hundred and sixty people how many we were, being you know it was it was hard to get excited about anything going on uh, during that game. In in the end, the the most exciting thing was we had Vachlik in front of us and he was just stopping everything in the second half. And you just, you know, that was that was a performance worth seeing. Didn't mean anything in the end. We lost the game and it was just disheartening. And at the end, Cissé went down on his knees, you know, he does his prayer at the end of the game and he was right in front of us. He turned around, he clapped, he, you know, showed the badge. Great. Uh, Jan and Villa from kind of a little bit farther away turned around and clapped Vachlik as he was moving away from, from goal. But everybody else just, they don't want to say they ran away, but they just they they didn't even turn around like to acknowledge right. we were out in minus one degrees like i mean some people came from not belgium but you know from greece and other parts of europe and all right cheers you know yeah i hear it now costa i had uh there's a comment here from agelos coots that i wanted to get your opinion on uh and you as well well lambro and i have just been kind of talking about this but uh Aguilos says Martin's made rotations to the team against Antwerp because he had his whole focus on today's game and it still wasn't the best performance we have seen. What do you make of that? You know, if I can go first, the one thing that I've realized over these last two games is that Martins has no idea what his what his proper starting eleven is. And I think I think we we chatted about this a little bit over text throughout the week that there are probably three players in that in that uh, yeah in the starting 11 that are mainstays it's, uh, I mean Oleg Cisse and probably uh and Vachlik. those three and then in the midfield 
you can say Jan and Vio, he's starting to get back to some kind of rhythm and fitness. But but honestly, who are our wingers? Is El Arabi our first true striker? Is Tiquinho? I don't know. I don't know what our best starting eleven is, and we're in December. You know what I noticed too is why. Uh, well, what happened to the two striker setup as well? Like, we we lack creation from the midfield whatsoever. Clearly, don't have the personnel to create from the midfield. We've played with that in the preseason. We played at that earlier in the season. Um, tonight, why? Why wasn't that an idea from 60th minute onward or something like that? He lately, it's just been one or the other. I, I, I'm trying to solve the creation crisis in my head because I don't think there's anyone in this midfield who can solve it at the moment. Um, and maybe it's that two strike formation, but he, he, he got rid of uh, a third striker. So is it really possible to even play like that? I don't know. So, I don't know. It just it seems difficult. It seems difficult to solve. I think we're nine days away, ten days away from that December break, and then I honestly think we need a we need signings. We need help fast. We need. I really think we need a midfielder so bad, and I really think they need to bring the money and bring someone in who, like Valbuena, like Chori Dominguez, has like some flair, something exciting, some experience. I don't know where the hell you find that in January, but I'm desperate. I'm desperate because I just this midfield is so dead. There's no creation. There's no one-two. There's no running at people. Agibukamara, like I was telling Adi, like I don't see him as a ten. I he's I I don't know what he is because I think creatively against a low sitting block like this team, he really struggled. So anyway, well, that's just. So if I don't know if, if you guys remember, I even actually wrote a blog about this when we were still seeing that flop from the four four two, the four three three, and the four two three one. I pulled all of the every creative metric I could find to compare the two, and it was bad for all of them. They were ter- like we got nothing out of the four four two, we got nothing out of the four three three. The only scheme, the, or the scheme that we get the best out of is the 4-2-3-1. And that was when, and in, in that blog, I made the complaint, like, why are you, ch- these don't work. Or at least maybe the 4-2-3-1, it doesn't look good. But these also look like shit. These look worse somehow. So at this point, I mean, we can we can mince what formation we should use, but they're, one is poorer than the next. And the 4-2-3-1 might not look good, but unfortunately, it's the best we've got. And going back to the core, you know, this might be really bad, but if it's the best we got, this is what we have to work with. And on to Costa's point, I also wrote about that in the most recent blog that uh, about the post-match with Antwerp. Now, the core that Costa brought brought up, I I think I added like two players. Um, With recent form into consideration, I thought, you know what, maybe if this continues, you say Roni. Because Roni's looked pretty good the last couple of weeks. And in open play, he was the only person that created much of anything today. Again, in open play only. For Nova Sport, he was their key player of the game. Based on that. And 
I think I also added just based on the the end product that we've seen thus far. Forget about his inconsistency and how he disappears and reappears on the pitch. But I included Agibu in that. I think as well. But even assuming that those are your that is your core, right? Even if we were assuming they were playing more perfectly than they actually are, who who else do you piece in there? You know, it, three weeks ago we would have said Masuras, but the last month, maybe more, I think it's maybe even a month and a half, Masuras has been all effort, no execution. We haven't seen the, the end product from him. That player that came out on fire to start the season, the effort's still there. The off-the-ball movement, the ideas are still there, but what, what's happening? Nothing. Onyakuru? Forget about it. Done. Fuck off. I'm done with him. Seriously. Then there's then there's the striker situation. And I know this gets contentious with Lambro, but El Arabi, from his his hold up play has he's regressed when it when it's come to that. And maybe it's because he's getting older, but at the same time should we should we be relying on him? And and maybe maybe this has something to do with because the guy has to drop back all the time to get the ball. Have you in in some of the the possession maps of the last couple of games we played with El Arabi, He's sitting deeper than the wingers are. He's sitting deeper than the number ten. That's a fucking problem. He's supposed to be finding space in between the strikers. He's supposed to be making moves in behind them. He's not supposed to be coming in deep to receive the ball and play make for us. This is a huge problem. Adi, another- I, can I cut you off? I think yeah, the, the lack of form of El Arabi goes back to the midfield. When was El Arabi the best, I would say? The first season maybe with Valbuena producing for him. Yeah, I remember yeah. both of El Arabi, a monster amount of goals, Valbuena with a huge amount of assists. That has dried up. There is no one creating anything for El Arabi. Like, no. I can't think of any good chances he received from anyone. He just received some crosses into the box and went for them, which, okay, is fine. But that's not El Arabi is not Hassan. You don't just send the ball into the box and pray. Um, he has no service, and, and, and he has no form because he has no service. I think it's, it's like hitting the wrong egg with El Arabi. And I'll say one thing. Pedro Martins and this whole team is so lucky that Greek football is so fucking shit. Oh, yeah. Because if this was three years ago with Ike, Pauk, when they were slightly better, let's say, I don't know, Panathina, of course, always been shit. But anyway, like with a little bit more money and a little bit better teams, this could have gone to shit really fast, especially the Europa League draw. Fenerbahce was a complete joke. Antwerp was very poor, one of the worst fourth place teams in it. This could have gone so bad. The, <laughs> I think uh, a little bit of context shows that we were extremely lucky. We're extremely lucky to be in the position we are. I know we're getting results. I know we're getting results, but we're getting results because the level of football in this country is so shit. Like, and yeah. these players are making a, a ton of money. They're well paid, and they. They're quite expensive, but really, I, I just, it's, it's shocking. It's shocking. The level of football being played is, and we're running away with the title while playing this shit. It's just, it's just a lot. It's just a lot. Yeah, there's two There's two comments here. Um, one from John Zabukas. It's no fluke that resting Madi a few games ago 
coincided with probably our most stable midfield performance. He's a destabilizing factor at the moment, which is a shame because Madi is quality. Elorabi is effective when he has service, no service, no form. And then Aguilos. Elorabi goes back because our midfield isn't positioning to make a pass. So he tries to create for Masuras or someone around there. I've seen him go back three years in a row, even the 1920 season. And he did, but he was more effective at it two seasons, the last season and the season before. If you look at his his key passes, where his looks go, he holds the ball a lot longer this season. That's just how it is. He's holding it longer. And I don't necessarily blame him for that. Who's Who opens up for him? When I talked in, I put this in our group chat, but have you guys been noticing our fullbacks, when, we, when we're in possession and open play, right? Our fullbacks start to move forward. They start to overlap. But then if the ball isn't played while they're in stride, they all sit at the top. Then we have six players sitting in a line right in the, the offensive front with Bukhalagis and Mvila in the, in, the, in the midfield, figuring out who they're going to try and bomb the ball to, playing it between each other, and then the center backs. What the hell is that? Where's the movement? Why do we have six guys constantly? I have 13 different screenshots today of that happening. And it's like 20, 30 seconds passing by. There's no movement. It's just six guys sitting, sitting there. The fullbacks on both sides, the inside wingers, and then the attacking mid as well as LLRB. It's just a line, six people in a line. It is ridiculous. What is the plan going forward with that? What what do you expect to do? No wonder Adis couldn't Adis prevented us from doing anything. They only need to stack four people and four in the middle in the in the middle of the field in a 4-4-2 and spread them out. And we can't do shit because everyone's staying in the front, not moving around. What are what is the game plan? Costa, please tell me you have an answer. I'm just going to add some facts to what you said, which is at the, end, at the end of the first half, it was 135 minutes without us creating a decent chance. And I was just listening to what you were saying before I before I came in about the team being all about get the ball out to the wings, cross it in, hit and hope, hope it meets somebody's head, hope somebody makes a mistake. That's the only way that we've scored goals this season is set pieces, crosses into the box and capitalizing on mistakes when we when we press and we have players like Agibo Camara in midfield that can steal the ball and make a breakaway. And that's how the first goal came about today. When he when he picked up that loose ball, he attacked the defender, hit the post, and then from the ensuing play, um, there was the corner from an LLB header. Yep. And, you know, the headline today is basically uh, like, cheers, Cisse, and, and that's it. Like, because if Cissé wasn't scoring that and it would have been nil-nil or we could have lost. Um, and going back to another point, Labra made, the, the level of the league is so, it's so bad. Like, we're, we're plus eight points clear at the top of the table going into the second half of the season. And I know it's a point we keep coming back to all the time. As long as the level of this league is what it is today, it's never going to push us to, to go to the next level where we want to get to in Europe. That's a sad truth that we have to keep reminding ourselves. Uh, why I always talk about wanting our, our opponents to get better and give us more competition. Because like, you know, these guys, they play it in second gear. 
Do they play? I don't even know if they get into third. Maybe if they go one down, they might kick it into third gear like they did against Offi. But even then, it's like, okay, we scored the third goal. Okay, go back to first or second. There's no... I don't know what it is, man. There's no appetite. Like The squad just looks quite depleted in terms of energy. Um, the managers talked about it. The, the fitness coaches talked about the problems in the team and that things will get better. I'm that's the only thing we can hope for right now, guys, is that, you know, with all the problems we know they had with COVID during the summer, that there is a plan going back to your question, that there is a plan that when they come back after Christmas, that they start to take it in their stride and they start to, you know, give a bit more energy. Um, the worrying thing from today's game and the last game is that the players that have energy, like natural fitness, stamina, players like Oleg, they look to be running out of steam as well. And that's yeah. worrying. That's worrying me. Yeah. There's a yeah. couple of comments here. Um, Filipos Mikhail, in my opinion, Bukalakis is too slow to play with our other midfielders, both defensively and offensively. And Costas Papadimitriou, the movement between midfield and attack area outside the opposing defense is not good enough. No killer ball, no attacking runs, no fast thinking and decision making in attacking the ball, moving around the back. This is not working. Labro, I know you have an opinion there. Yep. Real quick, because. So I have to go as well after this. I got to go back to writing my final paper. Go for it. Go on, Costan. No, go on, Costan. Then I'll make my point, please. Okay, so my point might be a bit controversial because it relates to Onyakuru. Because Onyakuru actually does make runs, but nobody sees him. Or he makes the run or nobody can pick him out. And yeah, he did have a crappy game against Antwerp and he made a lot of mistakes and he didn't track back when he lost the ball. Um, but he makes runs. He makes diagonal runs, but nobody picks him up. He had one up. tonight. He made. He had one tonight yeah. where he gave a pass. It was like a quick one and go and just never yeah. got it back. Where I thought yeah. it was good yeah. movement and yeah. just never came. Yeah. And he connected the pass. Well, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I remember maybe, maybe it's like the 88th minute. He was down on the right side. He yep. played yeah. some, anyway, it, it looked nice. I was like, oh, wow. I haven't seen that from him in a while. But anyway, the main point I have is just, holy shit. Like the, from the summer, the team had no identity. We went five at the back. We went two strikers. We, we sell Hassan basically on the last day, or we got rid of Hassan last day. So two strikers is done. We go 4-3-3. We go whatever. The team creation, maybe because there was a lack of a plan, is so shit. Like, Fortunis goes down in June or July, whatever, and there was no replacement. There was no creative midfielder brought in. Did the team really think they were going to get Mathieu Vabuena to produce, like, consistently? There was no creativity. Agibu Kamara, they, they were relying on Agibu Kamara to become... Uh, they're 10 I don't he's been fantastic he's been a great development but like the construction this winter window I bet you buy we buy one or two fullbacks like what the hell like this is not um this is shocking management of of players we saw the summer before with 
with fullbacks. We're going to go looking for two fullbacks in the winter. We're going to look for a creative player. And I bet you we're going to bring uh, Grenier. I, I just have a gut feeling. Like, we're going to bring a French guy. He's, he's out of contract. He's cheap. They're going to be like, okay, Grenier will be the creative midfielder, the slow player with no legs. Like, it's just disconcerting. Um, I'll wait until the transfer window is over. But if the team has any hope of doing anything this season, they need someone. They need someone. Like, and I just miss that, you know, a high quality player at the 10, you know, who just dribbles past a few people. Like Chori Dominguez, like tonight, I was just like, God damn it, wouldn't it be amazing to have Chori Dominguez right now to just produce something, get past one, one score, make an assist? Like, we don't have that. We don't have that whatsoever. And I don't know. I don't see us going very far. Uh, without that piece and i'll say something real quick before i go games like tonight show to me why we lose cup games we're gonna win the league because we're consistent against the small teams but tonight shows me why we lose cup games because we play like this when you have games like this in a one-off or two-leg thing you go out of the cup and i think that's why martins has struggled historically in the cup competitions because olympiacos produces games like this tonight one or they have a game off and they it just seems like this is these type of games are what kill you in cup competition. And we've seen that with Martins before quite a few times. And I'm not saying we're going out with Levadiakos in a week, but Martins doesn't have a good history with the cup. We'll see what happens. I'm, uh, I'm really hoping that some money is spent and a creative player is brought because I think that's what we need. And with that, I'm going back to writing my paper. Godspeed. Uh, I'll be listening uh, later, not tonight, because I got to write this goddamn paper. Anyway, talk to you. Guys. Good luck, man. Good luck on your paper, Lambro. And uh, guys, before we before we continue, real quick, um, I didn't do it at the beginning of the episode like I should have, but I just wanted to say real quick: if you guys haven't done so already, please like and subscribe. Uh, I'll say it again. I say it pretty much almost every podcast. The more people that can that follow us the more the bigger we make this community the more we can do and if we can do bigger and better things that creates a better product for you guys it makes a better experience for you that means that we can offer better content so please if you know any other Olympiacos fans that are out there that it would be interested in something like this and joining the community please get them bring them because the bigger we get the more stuff we can do and the better product we can create for you guys um, now, Costa, I wanted to elaborate with kind of a hot take uh, after what Lampro said, but I want to focus on what he said about Agibu Camara because I am starting to come of the belief, and I will preface this by saying I think he's a very talented kid, and I think he does have a very bright future. But if the numbers we're hearing thrown around materialize and we get a an offer for him in that region of 15 to 20 million. I believe we're fleecing whoever we're getting that money from. Because if you look at the context for all of Agibu Kamara's production, it is all coming off of either A, he has won the ball off of somebody, he gets forward and he finishes based on that mistake, or a wonder goal from a set piece. Every single goal and assist has come off of something like that. In open play, he gets lost. And 
I, again, I don't want this to say that I don't think he's a good player. I think the kid is very talented. And I think that as time, as he develops as a player, this will fix itself. But if we're able to get 15 or 20 million from somebody for a player who's really only successful in a more defensive approach of things, we take you take the money and run. You're fleecing somebody for that. And I want that's my hot take on that because I and I've been going through trying to find out why is it I see him so successful. Like he seems so successful in certain scenarios, and this is what I found. This is the the similarity. Every opportunity, every assist, every goal he's had has come from either he has won the ball from somebody or intercepted it, goes and gets a goal or provides the assist, or it's been a wonder goal off of a set piece. Every single one. What What's your thought on that? Yeah, it's what I said earlier. It's something he's very good at doing is he pressing yeah. high up the field and he's obviously quick and can get to the ball faster than others. And uh, look for me i still don't know what his best position is like i agree that he looks better in the center of the park at least when he's played for us but the fact of the matter is we're talking about a young boy who has played 19 games of professional football or however many it is so you just really don't know how much he's going to progress in the coming years the progression already from the player that we saw in the, I think his first game was against Ludogorets. I mean, he came on in that home game and he scored the equaliser. Yep. I can't remember seeing him in friendlies, but in general, like you've seen, you've seen him grow over the over the, the you know the last few months, and and the potential is is scary. Like there is a lot of potential there, and if you put him around better players. Who's to say he doesn't, you know, explode into this sensation? So, you know, is 15 million a lot? I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, some of the figures that we're hearing are ridiculous, like yeah. plus 20 million for, for a player coming from the Greek league. We didn't even sell Pedenza for 20 million euros. Yeah. So, exactly. and Pedenza was close to final products when, when he was leaving us. Exactly. So, uh, I mean, just bringing up this comment from John, Agiba's vision is not there for a 10. Yes, he's young, but I don't see how he's, yeah, how he's a 15 to 20 million player. So it's it's weird, man, because in some games, like he's got the ball outside the box, I think against, against Pauk and yep. you know, he was playing, I... these, the, yeah, playing these balls over the top to the attackers and playing like a 10, like, you know, taking taking the game by the scruff of the neck like getting involved and trying to play make trying to create for the team and for for the players around him and i don't know i think i think that one thing is since ronnie lopez came into the team i think that's had some some impact on his game as well because yeah. ronnie's been ever since he's you know lost the 5 kilos and basically turned into a footballer yeah <laughs> ball's been going through him quite a lot uh and i think you know they they try to they try to work in the channels they try to work um in the center of the park ronnie likes to drift in 
So I think that's had a bit of a impact in terms in terms of the team balance and Agibu's performance as well. He's trying to find his place in the pitch. He's kind of drifting back a little bit to get more of the ball. So, I mean, there's no doubt we have a diamond in the rough on the squad with this player. So he, he he's he's young. He's young. Um, I don't know what else to say, really. Like 15, 20 million. I don't think he's going to stay longer than the end of the season. I think at the end of the season, he's gone. I agree. I agree. And, but, and that's part of the reason, one, I don't believe those figures for a second. But two, if somebody, if it really is true that we're being offered 15 to 20 million at this stage, I feel like it, you, you got, you just take it and run if, if that's the case. Now, um, I kind of wanted to actually, there's a, let me, there's a comment here from Aguilos. I wanted to, uh, uh, I has some good mentality and thank God for that. For a player that is just starting to play professional and is playing game by game, 90 minutes every time he's handled the pressure really well and developed very fast. And it, I think that that, you know, is really important because you need in, in a team where we're seeing the plus a lot, so many players are just not, they don't seem to be there. They seem to be in second gear. It 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 does mean something that you have somebody, you know, besides Oleg that is putting it out there and that is playing like that. So I do I I do um agree with that sentiment from Aguelo. I do uh I do have value. I do see value in that. Now there's um a subject, a topic that we've kind of talked about a little bit on social media we've posted about and it's a weird one because it was something that i questioned a little bit when we brought this player in on loan and with the africa cup of nations coming up do you see do you think that maybe there is a solution with karbovnik (laughs) yeah so we've been putting some stuff out and on our socials about this. I, I, I was thinking about it uh, the other day. Where is Kabovnik? Like there were rumors that he's hurt. Being, yeah, he's like being looked at by Legia, Warsaw, Anderlecht and some other teams. And it's like, hang on a minute. He's played for two clubs this season. If you play for a third, you can't play. Exactly. So, you know, he's like, he has a calf strain, said Dimitris Christophe Uderis. Refilet, Kabovnik is injured. How long can you have a calf strain for? <laughs> I've got nothing against Sitna crew. Like, <laughs> seriously, how long can you have a calf strain for? Like, I have had a calf strain before. I wasn't out that long. I'm no, going to tell like, you guys right yeah, now. I've had, exactly. It's like, I've had a calf strain. It doesn't take more than a month like to get in a match day squad. Seriously, like it must be a seriously like bad strain, you know what I mean? But yep. uh, look, I want to go back to what Labra was saying about a transfer. Do we really believe that we're going to sign somebody in January and Pedro Martins is going to build the midfield around him and put them into the starting 11 immediately? When did he ever do that? Never. Everything- did he? Is there one player that we've signed that he's kind of immediately integrated into the team? No. That's a good I, question. That's a good question for the audience. Is there one really player is. that we've signed 
Is there one player that we've signed under Pedro Martins that has literally gone straight into a match day squad and into a starting eleven? Oh, I defy, I defy Pepe. anyone. Pepe. Pepe did. Pepe no, did. No. Yeah, but he's he's gone. I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying, when he first came in, he played two matches, and then we didn't see him for a while. Maybe, maybe in Villa. Maybe it took it took a couple of games. But my point is. Mid-season, who are you going to find? You're going to find, like, yeah, uh, Clement Grenier was the example. It's not going to happen, but really, I don't know what's going on with Karbovnik. No, I don't uh, know. Did, did, they, did they even have this in their minds, like, to try him in midfield? Because we're hearing a lot about signings, actually, to be fair. We are hearing a lot about signings in midfield. Even I've brought this up before. Why isn't Vasily Surlis starting to get a bit more game time? What I saw today and in the last few games is a Pedro Martins that is already thinking about January in Copa Africa and is starting to play Envila and Bukalagis more together in midfield in anticipation of that. But that midfield is so... I mean, they're, they're both not known for their pace. Yeah. So um, I would love to see it, Ari. I would love to see Karbovnik in in midfield, but I just I I can't see it happening because those things you try them in games in the cup, or you know he hasn't he hasn't shown us anything to to make us think that that is a possibility. Yeah. No. I I'm I'm with you one hundred percent. In in the grand scheme of things, Martins has been anything but unpredictable, right? He has been one of the most predictable guys we've seen in terms of the style of coaching, what we're going to see. He's very, he doesn't like to take a lot of risks. We've already known that. Uh, the the most, the, the unpredictable part is in Europe when we see him bring in, we see him randomly start changing formations from 4-3-3. Known quantities though, it's always a known quantity. That's what he experiments with. That's what he changes with. And that is that is the problem. Now, Costa, it looks like we have uh, uh, a couple guests coming into the lobby, guys. We did drop a link, so we're going. You know, we're we're the show is open now. You know, we want people to come in, give us and give give us your opinions. So uh, we're going to start bringing some guests in. The link's live. If you want to join, please come and join. We'll bring in the first guest. Uh, looks like we have here Aguilos Coots from the chat to the stream. Aguilo, how are you doing, buddy? Hello, guys. How is my connection? Because I am in my room and it's not very good. Okay. Okay, good. Tell us, how do you feel? How did you feel, man, about about the uh, the Europa League game and, and this? What, what are your feelings about the team as it stands? I am clearly disappointed and sad to see these uh, results. Um, like I said in the comments, Martins had uh, his mind on the uh, Aris game today uh, when we played uh, in Adverb. And I didn't see the best performance. And we are still not playing 90 minutes of good football. We're playing 45, 25, 35. It's still uh, out there. And yeah, I'm disappointed because 
I see that the players are not playing for this. This thing may be very, yeah. very heavy for them. Yeah. And you were talking about signings. Maybe we should sign someone like a leader that must show what this badge means. And someone like Semedo, now that he's leaving, we want the locker room uh, psychology boost. Now for Martins that he's making uh, rotations and he's still not figuring out what the starting lineup should be. I don't know what uh, to do with that or what to say. But yeah, it seems rough. So Elise, maybe start time for him to start seeing more minutes with the first team? I hope so. I hope so. Uh, I am still uh, watching the B team play. Uh, um, last uh, this uh, today, I think we played with uh, Triglia, uh, and he wasn't uh, very good. Uh, it wasn't his top performance, but yeah, the, the kid is very good. I want him to play. Um, but we also have Karbovnik as well. We, like you were saying, he can be, be he can play on midfield and Andruchos. Um, the midfield will maybe get on a much lower level since the Copa Africa comes and Madi Camara and many people will leave. But yeah, maybe we don't need a signing. Just what I said before, someone to boost the psychology of the players. We haven't we haven't been getting anything from Madi Camara mm -hmm. since the qualifiers. Since the qualifiers, he had a good game. Well, he was our, one of our better performers against Ludogorets, uh, against yep. uh, Bratislava. But then it's just been all downhill with this story with him changing agent and stuff going on in the background. Who knows what's what's really going on? Um, the, you mentioned the players aren't playing for the shirt. A player like Vasilis Surliz might not be peaking Madi Kamara in terms of ability, but he'll give you that. He'll play for the shirt he and he'll give 200% every game, which is why I'm annoyed that he hasn't been integrated into the matchday squads, getting 10 minutes a game. There's another comment earlier about, uh, I think Roman brought it up, about, about Kunde. It's clear that Martins doesn't believe in him, and I think he's right. We haven't seen anything from him, to be honest, when he has played. I mean, to be fair, in the cup game against Levadiagos, he played with Surlis for probably the first time ever. It's like yep. a complete, complete makeshift team. But still, like you're playing against the second division team. He's like, come on, mate. You've played in La Liga. You've played in the Bundesliga. You're supposed to be a top player. Like, show me something. He hasn't shown much, if anything. So, I mean, it looks like he's going to go off to Copa Africa as well, by the way. So it doesn't yes, really yes. matter. It doesn't really matter. You know, we're not, we're not going to be counting on him when they're gone. Um, so, yeah, again, we're talking about the same thing now. Vasilis Surlis making a signing. Um, yeah, don't know what else. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Uh, yeah, I don't know I if Surlis can. Uh, don't know if Surlis can point out to the his teammates that we are playing for this badge because 
maybe they'll underestimate him because he's young. Yeah. But what I am seeing from the B team, the passion, even from Kinkue and some of the other players that have we have signed from other teams, they are playing for the badge. I see them playing football 90 minutes straight. Not like the A team, like 45 and 15 or whatever. It's uh, That's why I like seeing them and I am pointing out that we have a B team to everyone. And they are, my friends say, why are you watching the B team and all that stuff? And I'm, I am replying to them because they play for this. That's what I love. Players that are playing for the buds. They make good dribbles, they make a good passing game. Maybe Martin should maybe take some notes from Ibagas. I don't know. Yeah, if he's the, if he's got his players mentally focused and they're and they're bleeding on the pitch, or so to speak, for the club, then yeah, I'm I'm in agreement for you. And I've I've brought this up in the past when when I played as well. You always want to have some infusion of somebody that's hungry and fighting for their spot because that energy is contagious. When somebody comes on there, they they start running. They make a good a couple good couple of plays it starts to catch on with the rest of the team. It starts to elevate their morale, their energy. All of that makes a huge difference when you're on the field. And everybody that's played football knows that. So for me, it just it's just smart in general to always have somebody that's hungry and ready to come on. And Sorlis, of the B players I've seen, of the tape I've watched, looks the most ready for that jump, for that switch to the first team. And I think it could do nothing but help us, especially since every this season, since preseason, he has not played a bad game when he's been called up. Even that Levadiakos game where some people were saying they didn't think he was ready. How many players do you know will complete 61 of 62 passes in a game where the team plays like shit? That counts for something to me. Exactly. And that counts for something. Even if he didn't do anything super creative, that counts for something. A 19-year-old running the possession of a first team, that means something to me. He also goes to the midfield, something that we don't do. Yeah. The the midfielders don't go to the the center. Exactly. Gustav, what do you think? He has confidence. He has balls. He's not afraid to make a mistake. He's not afraid to get on the ball. If you're a midfielder, you can't hide. You have to go and look for the ball. He's not He's not hiding. That's what I like about him. He has a lot of, um, how to say, he's got character, man. Like, he just, he, you can see that he wants it. And he doesn't look like a 19-year-old kid anymore. It, sometimes watching the B team, it's like, it's like he's, he's a man amongst boys. He needs to be playing first-team football. He needs to be playing with top players now. Or like, yeah, the top players in the Greek league that play for us. Crystal clear. Crystal clear for me. What I also see is that uh, he may get angry because he's playing at the very low level with the Vita Ethniki. I think his mentality is at the top level. He's like, why am I playing with these guys they are not on my level i saw him when it was a sunday against panzer 
where I went to the I went to the Karaiskaki Stadium and watched him. He he really showed his character there. I I saw there was a time where he was closed, and he made roulette after roulette. He was passing everyone, and I, I was saying it was like like Messi. It was very amazing to see. Yeah, yeah, the, the kid is unbelievable. I hope yeah. that Martins puts some mind in himself and puts him in the first team. As do we, as do we, Aguilo. And Aguilo, thank you so much. Uh, we're going to bring our next guest in. Thank you so much. Thank you for also bringing your point of view from the field. You watch the team, and we look forward to you continuing to keep up with the B team and giving us those status reports live. So thank you so much. Yes, Aguilo. Now, we do have another guest coming in, uh, returning guest. He joined me on the solo, Jim Politis. Jim, how are you doing? Hey, buddy? what's up, guys? Uh, not too much. How'd you feel? How do you feel? How do you feel? Take the last two games together, put your emotions together, what, and tell us tell us what you're feeling. Uh, last two games. Uh, the Antwerp game, Antwerp, Antwerp. Antwerp game was probably one of the worst Olympiacos games that I've ever watched. And I can say that really confidently. That was one of the worst football games that I've ever watched. And that says something. Uh, because we're not Paraphinaikos, we're not Taik, we're not Pauk, we're not Olympiacos. And that was very inappropriate. I don't. I can't say anything because for the answer game because it was shit. With one word, it was shit. <laughs> uh, the only thing that I can say is Batslick showed that showed his class why he was that good. And I saw the real Batslick there, and I one thing that I didn't got was. Roni Lopez not playing a 10 and getting substituted in halftime. That was the only thing that I... But otherwise, I don't think he'd make that big of a difference. At least when everyone was underperforming in that game. Now for today versus Aris, things got better, especially in the start of the second half where we pressed a lot. Again, when our fullbacks play at least a bit good, we play good. I don't know if you noticed, but when Kenny, Lala and Ole Grebczyk play and get up on the field, I think the team is like playing better. So I think we played not a bad game, but not the best. I don't think it was the best. Again, uh, I don't know if you missed it. I got a bit late on the podcast. Um, Ronnie Lopez uh, got an assist today he from did. the corner, and another assist on the goal of Masuras that got uh, that was disallowed. So yep. good performance from him. Uh, Maddie Camera got in, and I was like, "That's Maddie Camera," and it wasn't the first time that. Uh, happened because in the qualification games he carried the team because yep. the only player that I saw in the qualification games mm. it was Madi Kamara and like the Nefshibaku goal that got uh, in Karaskaki 
Slovan, I guess Slovan, I guess Ludogorets, the whole team wasn't the performing, but he was the best out of everyone. So that that got me thinking, what is wrong with him? Well, yeah, I mean that's that's the question we've all been asking, right? Now, I um, I will say when Madi came on, he did have a really nice look for a through ball. I think it was in like the 80, 86th minute, I want to say. Yeah, yeah, uh, he, didn't he, didn't he didn't connect it. But at least the look was there. That, that, <laughs> that does count for something at this point. So uh, now there are a couple of uh, comments here, and uh, I wanted to get your guys' take on this. Um, so the first one was where, uh, where are we? Sorry, I have to scroll back down. Uh, from Viper 3, Martin should try to fix the two most essential things that are holding our team back. One, Socrates slowing down our whole team's transition. Two, our fullbacks being unable to help us play fast and build up. So let's start with the first part. Uh, one, do you believe Socrates is slowing down our team's transition? And no. do you think that needs to be fixed? Jim, go ahead. Go first. Uh, no, I think Socrates... At, at least defensively, I think he's a leader of the defense. It's at least it's my opinion. I like I saw that in the Eintracht game in Germany where we lost. I think that was a Socrates highlight. Uh, that game was really good for him. We uh, we considered I think two or three goals, but he was very good. I don't think. Socrates is the problem for the slow build of play. He is. I, I think I don't think he can play as good as uh, he could with Manolas, for example. I don't think he fits well with Cisse or with Bar sometimes, because I think we saw that in the Eintracht game in Karaskati when Socrates came off. I think it was due to an injury, and then Cisse and Bob played together. If uh, okay, no, no, it was. It, I don't think it was in the Ajax game. I can't remember. Or it was Fenerbahce at Karaskaki. About Cisse and Bob played together, and they were good. I can say they were. I didn't see a lot of mistakes from Bob. That was really. I was surprised because if he's in, he normally makes a lot of mistakes. So I don't think Socrates is a problem. Costa? Um, I've been receiving some interesting messages about this recently. That, for example, when Socrates plays, the midfield doesn't feel as comfortable and they have to play further back because Socrates isn't as fast or as agile as Bar. So there is, there are some people that have this idea that Socrates is slowing us down because our midfield has to play further back and we can't get up the field fast enough. I kind of see it and I don't see it. I don't think that's the biggest problem in this team. If you play with Cissé and Bar, then in that defensive partnership, Cissé is the one that has better ball playing ability. And when you play Cissé and Socrates, it's the same. And Cissé, let me be clear, is not a ball-playing centre-back. So 
I mean, we've talked about Semedo, we've talked about Markovic. Markovic wasn't even in the matchday squad today. So I, 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 I don't know. It's a problem. It's a problem that we don't have a player that can bring up the ball from the defence because that changes everything about Jan Mbiyar's role in the team and where he's positioned, where he receives the ball. You see all season, he's sitting in between the centre-backs. I want to see him on the halfway line, bossing the midfield, just yep. dictating everything. I don't want to see him back there. I want to see him in the middle. And some, sometimes today and in, in the Antwerp game, I saw him at left back. So what's, he, what's Jan Villa doing at left back? Why is he there? Yeah, he's covering for Oleg because Oleg's on the halfway line on the side waiting to get the ball to give us width. But yep. why the fuck isn't Bukalakis there? He's left-footed. Why isn't Jan Villa my best, my best option right now in terms of passing ability? Why is he not in the middle? That, that is related to the centre-back issue as well. All, all of this, it, it, all, it all ties together. Um, yep. Go for it. And No, I, I'm glad you brought that up because that was a point that uh, we, I think uh, Lambro and I alluded to it just a little, like right in the beginning. And it's something that we even talked about last year. Don't you remember last year? That was our hugest yeah. complaint. It was Jan Mvila or Bukalakis, one of the two, would always be sitting way too far back. And look at today in the second half. Our only decent couple of uh, our only decent couple of possessions forward. Where was Jan Mvila? Further up the pitch, he is the engine of possession for this team. And I don't understand why the default is that he's the one that is staying in front of the defense and not Bukalakis. I don't understand yeah. that. I, I don't get why why he when last you know it always worked fine last year. When it was Bukalakis, that way Jan and Vila had more freedom to because he's the better possessor and distributor of the ball. So I don't understand why it's redefaulted back to this. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. Now we know that Martins like has to have it. Part of his part of the tactics is one of your defensive one of his defensive midfielders has to be the link up or the support for the defense. He's always been like that. But for it to be your better your better distributor of the ball deeper that limits our production, especially when in the midfield we're struggling. Um, and actually Aguilar brought up a great point that you had just put up on screen. Um, he got more, he was up more up front with Ophi and he got two assists. Yeah. That, that's, yeah. that's so true. And it's like these games, these games that are being played with Martins, these, these difficult mind games that he's playing with the tactics and the formations it's it it just doesn't make any sense why do you mess with what works i i just don't understand i i really don't and i agree with gosa that i think that's part of the reason why we have the you know the center back issue also the fact that we got so used to semedo being such a great ball player and being so solid back there that we didn't need to have that and I think that's also part of it. But let's move on. Let's move on to the second part. Uh, the second part of Viper's of Viper's comment was our fullbacks being unable to help us play fast in the buildup. That needs to be uh, fixed as well. Jim, what do you think about the second part? I just uh, I I would really agree at the start of the season and a good part of it. But I think the last. 
month and something. Uh, I think the the fullbacks have been way better than they they were. Like Kenny Lala when she came in, he wasn't really himself, and I think he's he started. I I really trust him in that right right back right back position. I really right. trust him. And the same goes for Oleg Rebchuk. She is one my trust, which I'll say that uh, Oleg Rebchuk was the by far the one player that I've said the most bad things. <laughs> Oleg Rebchuk is definitely the one, and she really changed my mind this season. Yeah, you're well. You're not the only one. Uh, <laughs> some of my fellow co-hosts. Well, one in particular, Lambro has also said some nasty things. I think uh, Oleg also got him to change his mind. So there's a comment here from uh, Platon Papas about Camara. For God's sake, he doesn't care to play for this team anymore. He should have been sold in the summer transfer window. Uh, Platon, I'm going to get a little bit conspiracy theory here with you, my friend, uh, only because I I do believe that you're, you're right. I do believe uh, that... Gamara Madi, you know, was ready to move on. I think he's been ready to move on for some time. But I have a little bit more of a conspiracy theory here because we can even argue that Madi was ready to go even before the beginning of last year. There's a, you know, there was there was an opportunity there, and even in the winter of last season. So I don't think that particular context is the reason that that that's the case. I think the issue that's going on with Madi is 100% up here. It's 100% mental. He didn't just lose his talent. The talent's there. You know, the vision is still there. It's there in spurts. There's something else there, right? And what from what we've seen, what's the only other major change that has happened in his career? Gosta brought it up earlier in the show. There's one major change Madi has made to his career. Who was so, listening? Who was listening to what I said? <laughs> so, if any of you are listening, there's only one change that has been made to his career. So, if we're getting conspiracy theory like here, I'm putting my tinfoil hat on. I'm pointing to that as the difference. Now, I don't know what you know. I don't know what goes on in the interactions between a player and his agents. I don't know what goes on between a player and the interactions between him and, you know, and it also could very well be maybe something happened between his role within the team. It could be a lot of other things, but from what we've seen, the information that we have readily available, there is one big change that happened. And since that change has happened, we have seen a different player. So there's my conspiracy theory. That's it. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but that's it's the conspiracy. Not, it's, it's not conspiracy. It's fact. Like he changed agents. He went from an agent that was probably talking to him every day to Mino Raiola. Right. Who has Zlatan and you know, some of the biggest players in the world on his, on his books. And he doesn't talk to them. Right. I mean, right. Just or pat him on the back, you know, like yeah. encourage, you know, and we know like we've, we've talked on, on this show with, with uh, with people that are agents, are actual agents of players, and smaller agents do that. They have that connection. Bigger agents probably don't. They're more successful, and that's just how it is. So, if I had to put my money on it, that's what I'm going to say. It. 
I, I, and this is a this is a point being brought up by by Foddy. The way he's playing now, who's going to take him? No one. They're going to get the 15, 20 million that they wanted. No. <sighs> no. We'll get something, but not the the money we expected. Not right now. Hell no. No. Yeah. No. I'm. I'm in. I'm in uh, completely complete agreement with that. Um, there, uh, before we move on to, uh, man of the match and coaching's grade though, there is another, um, there was another comment here that I missed. Let me pull it up real quick. Uh, oh, here we go. Eleftherios Mahinis. Agibu, Marin, and Vila is a great mid. Masuros and Rodriguez as wingers and El Arabi in the front. The defense is Etiquette. What do you guys think about that? The defense is a problem, man. Oh, yeah. Well, the I defense mean, is a problem. Well, actually, so I'm glad you brought that up. But let's – what the context of, of what the problem is with the defense. Because if we look at the game today, right, we can say that the defense did their job and that we didn't allow much to materialize in terms of a possession threat, right? It's not like it's not like Socrates and Cisse were caught out. They didn't get broken open. Uh, Lala got caught forward, I think, once. Oleg was caught pinched in twice. Uh, but in the grand scheme of things, when, when you only allow a single shot on target, that's a pretty good day for your defense. But but what don't we get out of our defense that we used to? Build up. Exactly. Yeah, and therein lies the problem. Uh, and I wanted to bring that up only because we've been shitting on the game so much today. Like The, the only real positive was that our defense actually – did shut down and over the course of the season, not that it speaks much in terms of Greece because the rest of the Greek league is shit, but we have literally allowed the least opportunities against us. We've allowed the least dangerous opportunities on our goal. And we've also allowed just the least volume in terms of total volume. And that does, that does mean something, it, you know, all of this that we say means something, but we are not getting that extra piece out of it, which was the buildup. And the progression and the startup for that. And that's why it's a huge problem. And I don't know, besides Markovic, I don't know how you fix that. And I, it doesn't seem like Markovic is going to be in any plan. The thing you is, we have to... Sorry, go ahead, Jim. Uh, no, no, I just comment Malala's. <laughs> uh, I think... <laughs> <laughs> he's expensive, I know, but... I want. I really want to see Manolas and Socrates playing together for Olympiacos. That's my. That's my dream. Uh, I think if they're both on form, I don't think there's anyone getting past them. Yeah, I'm in. Uh, I definitely am in agreement for you there, uh, Jim. Thank you again for joining us once again. Um, we really appreciate. We really appreciate you coming on again. Two two shows in a row. Love it. I, I have a shout. I have a shout for Jim. So Jim is actually uh, <laughs> Jim is actually also known as allredwhite.gr on Instagram. He is one of our graphic designers. Jim, thanks for all the work that you've been doing. Uh, mate, good luck with all your for your exams. Uh, <laughs> you're prepping you. for. Uh, keep up the good work. Thanks for coming on, mate. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me, and good night, guys. Kalinichta. Kalinichta.
Muscular. Yeah, guys, if you haven't seen we if you haven't seen some of his images, he does incredible work. He does some really awesome, awesome stuff. So check it out at the bottom at the bottom of the pages. You'll see when when we credit him. He, those are his images. So check him out. Give him a follow. Also, he does really, really good stuff. And before we get into our closing man of the match and coaches grade um, for these games, uh, we do have a, uh, a comment here from Aguilos. The solution is manscaped. It may bring some goods. May, you know, yeah. Hey, listen, maybe they get, get rid of a little bit of that extra uh, resistance from the hair. You know, they, uh, they can move faster. Who knows? Those, but that those are uh, anti-chafing boxes, my <laughs> There you go. <laughs> uh, all right, let's let's get this thing wrapped up. Gosta, let's start with the Antwerp game. Man of the match coach is great. Oh, you serious? Oh shit. You, you... <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, wait, wait, wait. So we're coming to the end of the show, and I'm gonna tell a nice story about some stuff that happened before the Antwerp game. So stick around oh, for that. It. So stick around for that after Man of the Match and Coach is great, and I'll tell a nice story. Um, anyway, so, uh, okay, Antwerp, uh, Coach is great, F. Fail, fail. Like, set, put your best team out to win that game. Do everything, do everything in your power to win it and hope something happens in the other game. I think I was the only one that really, you know, was the dreamer here and said, go out there and win and we're going to go through first. And he sets up the team going back to this 4-3-3, 4-3-3 against Antwerp who are playing their second string. What's wrong with you? Why don't you go out and attack? What message are you sending to the players as well? Yep. If you're setting them up in a more defensive formation. F for me, uh, for the coach. Man of the match, Vachlik, Vachlik, easily. He's the only one that turned up together with the fans in the yep. end. Yep. So, yeah, easy. Yeah, no, I'm, I, it's short for me. I agree with you. F and Vachlik, it's, you touched on the points for me. That That's it. Setup was shit. I didn't like, you know, the, the subs either. Well, I mean, I should, I actually should preface that. Maybe, maybe I do a D minus because, I thought maybe a, I thought a couple of the subs were decent subs, but they just didn't work. I, the idea behind them I thought was correct, but they didn't work. So you're right, actually. He did make a triple sub at the beginning of the uh, the second half. Yep. Yeah. Fair enough. But again, it's like still F for me because like it was all wrong yeah. from the beginning. Yeah. There you go. So uh, now let's do the Adis game. A little bit more, a little bit more context. A little bit more slightly positive to take away from it. So, do you want to go first for this as well? No, you go because I think you're going to say the same as me. <laughs> so, uh, my man of the match is I'm giving it to Cisse. I know that. Uh, shout out, shout out to Roni Lopez uh, because, of course, uh, Nova Sport gave him key player. He was the only guy that really created anything in open play. But I'm going to give it to Cisse getting another goal. That's three goals in two Super League games. Got to give it to the Rock. Also pretty good at you know good out at the back when you when you limit the opposition to one shot on target, uh, then you know you, I think you pretty much did your job and he bailed us out again and he also got his head on another one too. After that, it wasn't didn't have quite the same force on it, but he did get his head on another one. Uh, and then my coach's grade, I wasn't upset with the start of the match. I wasn't upset with the lineup. Uh, I'm, I was happy to see 
uh, Agibu back at the 10. I was okay with a Yana Vila Bukalakis defensive mid pairing. And I thought maybe we'd see something out of the wings. Unfortunately, the shape was just ugly. I I got upset that I saw Jan and Vila being the one as that like kind of midfield sweep that was sitting right in front of the defense. I thought it was frustrating. Um, the the changes he came in late with changes again. I wasn't a huge fan of that. And although our press in the second half did lead to opportunities, it actually led to the opportunity that we got the goal from. Uh, Agi Bukamara got a shot that he hit the post with that was off of the press as well. I didn't think that our overall possession really improved. And the subs, when he made the subs, I mean, some of them were so late, they really didn't have much of an opportunity to make uh, uh, in any kind of um, difference, I should say. So I'm I'm going to give Martins, and this is probably being, I was going to say a D for today, but with the win, and I'll, I'll do a C... I'll, I'll give him a C. Okay, so for me, it's B minus or a C for Martins. You might be surprised. Uh, I am, I, actually. I thought it was going to be worse. <laughs> no, no, no. So I, I have this idea that with everything that we know about the team and what happened, again, I, I keep going back to the summer. I keep going back to the summer. Yeah. And the fact that essentially this team has had no preseason. This team didn't gel. It didn't bond. We brought new pieces in. The team was molded to play a 4-4-2. That went out the window mm-hmm. towards yeah. the end of the preseason in Austria. Then, you know, the European campaign started, COVID happened, blah, blah, blah. We've said it all before. Um, it feels to me like the coach is already started another kind of preseason within the league. Uh, that's why I think we've seen a lot of late subs recently and today yeah. players coming off in the 80th minute. I think he's he's trying to build up their fitness. I want to believe that it's part of a strategy to have them performing better next year when we yeah when we get into 2022. So that's the only explanation I can find for making subs after the 80th minute. That's the only that's the only explanation I can find to support uh, to support him. Otherwise, it's inexplicable. So why is he waiting until the 80th minute to make subs? Inexplicable. So he set up the team well today, given that he had basically one day not training. They didn't train. They had recovery. So they had no time on the field to actually prepare tactics like on the field. They probably watched tape. Otherwise, it was just recovery. They didn't train. They came back on Friday. They went to the to the training centre at Aredi on, on Saturday. They watched tape. They, you know, and you. I think it was in the end, eight out of 11 players that started on Thursday played again. Uh, set up differently. Bringing in the pieces you mentioned, uh, Agibu, El Arabi, etc. So, result counts. That's why he gets the B and B minus, whatever I said. Um, and yeah, I am hoping that he has a strategy, and the, the 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 training team has a strategy. They've had a strategy every year, um, and I am I am hoping that they have something 
left yep. over for this year as well. Player, man of the match, uh, as much as I love Pape Cissé, I'm going to get to that. Uh, Ronnie Lopez for me. I, 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 Yeah, I think he, he was pulling the strings. He was the most creative player on the pitch. Yep. He had an assist, chalked off at the beginning, got the assist with the, with the set pieces. Set pieces in general looked, looked dangerous today. Like that free kick he shot uh, had, had power on it. Had had some some dip like some curl it was not too far, uh, yeah. In general, like I'm for, for the Greek league, he's he's above and beyond. He's above and beyond. We saw against Antwerp, he wasn't quite ready for European pace of game, but in Greece now he's he, he's he's I mean he's one of the best players in the league, easily. I think I think you're right. I and very fair. I very fair to give it to uh Roni. I just wanted to give the shout out to Cisse for having another goal. Striker Cisse added again. Uh real quick comments before Costa gets to his story. Fotis Kokalidis. On your crew cares only about his hair. He needs to go yesterday. I'd rather see a young Greek player from Olympiakos uh, B than him. I can wait for Fortunis to come back and play 4-2-3-1 again. This is not football. On Thursday, I fell, I fell asleep during the game. First time in my 40 years that I watch Olympiakos. Stotidis scored twice against the German team 14 years ago. We do not have a Stotidis in this team. No, we don't. We do not. No, uh, and then from Aguilo, I saw this and I have an answer for you, buddy. Um out of uh, Periergia, do you have a total of how many times Rebchuk has been fouled? I really respect his physicality with being fouled so many times in these single matches. And yes, my friend, I actually do have I do have this for you. If we look at all of what he has done for Olympiacos this season in all competitions, he leads the team in fouls drawn with 40. He has been fouled a total of 40 times. This Is that season. it? <laughs> He's been kicked in the face a few times as well. He has been fouled 40 times, guys, this season. And uh, I, I'm going to go one step further here because um, I pulled up I pulled up uh, the ranking in Greece to see um, to see in terms of fouls drawn how uh, let me pull this up here. Uh, fouls suffered. So in the <laughs> in the Greek league, he is not the most fouled player. He is up there, but he is not, unfortunately. Um, most of actually the fouls that he's drawn has been in Europe. But um, there are players that have been found that have been fouled a lot more than him in Greece. But I was curious to see that. But yes, he is the most fouled player on our team. Costa, uh, story time, baby. Yeah, before that, I've got little pop quiz for you Ari what's the English word for hypotoniki do you even know what that means I have no idea I don't think I've ever heard that word before hypotoniki is the Greek word I don't know what the equivalent English word is uh, I'm going to need to look that up on Google Translate in a minute maybe you're doing that right now hypotoniki that's what I'm looking up yeah that's that's how I felt about the team against Antwerp because um our, our good friend Fotis said, I, I, I fell asleep during the game first time in my life, 40 years watching Olympiacos. Yeah, I was at the game, mate, on, on Thursday, and it was, the, the performance was, uh, yeah, I don't know the English word, sorry. Um, 
hypnotic. <laughs> it's what it, it, is. Yeah, it, it, it rubs off on the it rubs off on the fans too a little bit as well. Do you know what I mean? Like always, the people that go to away games. If if you guys listening, you've never been to an away game with Olympiacos, you have to. That's where you see all the diehard fans. Really, everyone that's there. Like you, you can have a Karai Skaggy with 35,000 people, and yeah, we all know how that is like on the good nights. But trust me, those thousand or two thousand or max three to four thousand that you will meet away, they'll make more noise. <laughs> they'll make more noise. It's 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 insane. So yeah, go to an away game, guys, if you get the chance. Um, my story. So I got to I got to go to the players' hotel on on Thursday, and I met I met Pape Cisse at the Starbucks that was connected to the hotel where they were staying. Uh, I've met a lot of footballers in my life, and most of them aren't very open. You know, I mean, they, yeah, they they want their space. Like, I'm not. I'm also not the kind of guy to like go up to a group and like and annoy them like anyway Cisse was Cisse was at the at the counter and he was ordering coffee uh and the the lady behind the counter she was Italian and I was there with my buddy and we didn't want to bother him and he, he starts talking about you know Greek you know Greek coffee is better than Italian coffee or whatever he gets into this debate with with the uh with, with the lady behind the counter and then I I pop in and I was like yeah you've been drinking too much Freddo Cappuccino, Frappe, Inglifada, haven't you, mate? And he starts laughing. And then something something happens. He turns around to me and my buddy and he's like, what do you guys want? He's like, do you want, do you want a coffee? He's like, no, mate, no, 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 no. It's like, I'll buy my own coffee, don't worry. He's like, no, 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 I'll, I'll get you what you want. He's like, no, 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 I'll get my own coffee, don't worry, thank you very much. He's like, no, 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 I insist, back and forth, like four or five times guys insisting to buy us buy us our coffee i think we arrived there at about 10 30 11 o'clock anyway just i mean it's never happened to me before so like, to meet a football player that's so warm like so kind and generous like it was really a pleasant surprise like and the guy sat and he joked around with us and like took pictures with us and it was really really nice um so shout out Pape Abusi say we we knew you had a big heart and that you're Olibiakara, but really my my opinion of him, if it was already like very high in terms of the character that he shows on the field, um his his manner, the way he is on and off the field, like it went up even even more like after meeting him, after talking to him. I showed him some of the stat cards that we made. Uh, like we, we make stat cards if anyone's seen them on our Instagram, on our Twitter, we put them out. We make stat cards after games, like looking at who the best players were on each game. There's been a couple on the CSA and I showed him, I was like, look, I'm I'm one of these guys that makes these cards for you. And he's like, oh yeah, I've seen them. My brother sends them to me. Uh, I don't handle my own socials. So sorry if I haven't followed you back. <laughs> 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 no, no, he was really, really top, top, top guy. Papi uh, say I'm going to be sad to see him go when he does go, but I, I'll, I'll be happy for him as well. Deserves it, deserves yeah. it. If there's one player like this season that I'm, yeah, we'll have our, 
Gates Evan International Awards at some point. Um, but but so far for me, he's been MVP this year without shadow of a doubt. Yeah, I got to tell you, that's like so heartwarming. You know what I mean? Because uh, I've also I've met uh, quite a few footballers in my time, uh, professional footballers, and I have only once ever had a, like an experience that was even close to that. And it was actually with Yorgos Karagounis when I watched the Greek national team play. Uh, let me tell you, this guy tried. There was a pitch invader. I We were at the friendly with Greece, Ecuador. And there was a pitch invader, a guy like at, after the, the, the game was over, Garaguni forced all the other guys on the national team. Nobody wanted to come see the small contingent of Greek fans that came because it was majority Ecuador fans. He forced them all to come over and, you know, come. He was the first person to throw his jersey. I caught his, ki- his, his training kit. I still have it to this day. I've worn it a couple of times when we've done ethnic podcasts and some guy actually jumped and like tried to get a Jersey from like him and he got taken away by security and whatever. Garaguni still went, even after that guy did that, he still went to try and get the security to let him go. When they had him in holding, they had cops pick him up. He wanted to know where the station was so he could go get the guy out. Absurd. But you, you love, you love when, when you, you meet a footballer, that's like such a legend and you you build up such like a an idea of them when you see how they play on the pitch. So it's just nice when they live up to that, and it's fantastic. So thank you so much for sharing that, Costa. That that makes me feel good too. Just hearing it, even though I've heard it, you saying it again still makes me feel good every time I hear it. Um. Anyway, any final thoughts, Costa, before we get to closing up here? No. What's the next game now? Uh, next game, I think, is Wednesday against Atromiros. Not a cup game. It's just the second half of the league begins before playoffs. So we will play Atromiros again. And Levadiakos is, is a midweek game as well. Correct. I think that's the following week, right? So not yeah, this week, so, next week. So the 15th on Wednesdays, Atromiros away. Then Lamia. Then Lamia uh, at home on the 19th. And the mm-hmm. last game in December is... 22nd of December at home to Levadiakos. So we will we can get all of our schedules to to work out. We'll do post-match after the Atromiros game. Um, otherwise, guys, uh, just keep keep an ear out. Uh, like I said, we have that interview coming up. Uh, we'll get the details out shortly with Socrates or Socrates. Uh, Socrates Selas actually from Olympiacos New York Academy. That's one interview. Teddy Menis from the Olympiacos Fan Club of New York. Uh, we're also going to be looking to bring a couple of the players on board from Olympiacos DC. Um, we have a, uh, basketball, uh, a basketball episode that's going to be coming up as well for all of you basketball fans. And, uh, beyond that, uh, also we're going to try and put together the boozing with the boys that we did not do or, uh, back in September, uh, sorry about that, but we are going to get that rolling as well. A Christmas theme, boozing with the boys as usual. So we'll be getting that rolling. All Keep an eye out on, on our socials. And if you guys haven't done so already, please like and subscribe on all of our platforms. The more people, like we said, that join in, the bigger the community gets, the bigger stuff we can do, the better content we can provide for you guys. So please, please, please. And who knows? We get more bigger community. Maybe we get full 90-minute performances out of this Libyakos team. So 
please like and subscribe. And for everyone uh, that has been tuned in, thank you guys for listening, especially if you made it this far. Uh, This is Gate 7 International, by the fans, for the fans. You just listened to an episode of the Gate 7 International podcast, a podcast connecting Olympiacos fans from Brussels to Tokyo, from Toronto to Geneva. We are four Olympiacos fans from every corner of the world, bringing you news and interviews of the team you love in English. With new episodes twice a week, you'll never miss out on the latest updates and stories of the team you love. If you liked what you heard, make sure to follow us on social media at Gate7INTL. Give us a subscribe on YouTube or even leave a review on all our podcast channels. Until next time, this is our team, our city and our story. Thrilos, he said. Στο μυαλό κάτι μαγικό.